Hi, everyone. I'm Kelly O'Horo, and this is Adaptable Behavior Explained. Hi, everybody. Thank you for tuning in. We're going to talk today about parenting a child with autism and all that goes along with that, or as much as we can cover in our episode. I am super grateful to introduce to you Taylor O'Horo, uh, my daughter-in-law and the mother of my son, Jensen, who happens to have autism, and she's been brave and vulnerable enough to... Um, be here with us today so that we can talk about this journey and what it's been like and hopefully share with you all a little bit so that you don't feel so alone and shed some light for those who are not privy to what it's like uh, a little bit more about this topic. So Taylor, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. Of course. So we can go ahead and dig right in. Um, You know, when I was thinking about doing this episode, one of the things that occurred to me was when he was so little, you know, and as a mental health professional, I was observant, but not with an overly critical eye, but I recognized, you know, something did seem a little bit off compared to, you know, our oldest granddaughter, your, your daughter and, um, and other children I had seen at similar ages. And I was just wondering what made you question if he was developmentally appropriate or on track? You know, I think the first indication for me was going off my own gut instincts and just feeling, um, from the very beginning, like something was just different. And what I remember was he never cried. Um, He loved to be held, but he also was okay not being held for like several hours at a time. Um, I remember at one point a doctor said, you know, maybe they can track with their eyes. And I just watched and he wasn't tracking with his eyes. So I think as early as like probably two months old, I was kind of starting to get an idea that Maybe there was a developmental delay of some sort, but I wasn't really sure what that might be. Yeah. You know, I remember personally, you know, and and this might be helpful for family members too. It's, there was, there was a moment for me and I would say it was, it was, it was probably around the nine or 10 month mark where, you know, I I don't want to over identify somebody. I don't want to, you can't diagnose your own family, but we, you know, I am trained to be aware of developmental appropriate milestones. And I remember thinking as I watched him, like, I'm not sure something's not quite right. I don't know what it is. And I don't, I, as, as a mom didn't really know how to broach the subject. And I had this internal conflict because I wanted to be honest and transparent, but I also didn't want you guys to be upset with me if I brought it up and you weren't either a in agreement or ready to hear it or wanting to explore it. So I remember for a few months having that sense that something wasn't quite right and not having said something. Um, When we started talking about it, what was it like for you? Honestly, it was like the moment where you kind of know, right? Like as a mom, you, you just have this, like, you know, and there's this other part where you're kind of like, are people getting in my head? Like, am I, you know, delving too much into this? Um, am I looking for something to be wrong? Like, is it a me issue? So there was definitely this divide of like, just who to trust and how to trust and how to proceed. And I just had to follow, you know, the advice of the people I trusted, which were you Um, and a few other family members and doctors that were kind of starting to go, okay, I may be seeing a little bit of something. Let's just keep watching. And, and that's one of the hardest things to be told is just to keep watching when you don't know what's going on. So it was a little bit for you, it was a little bit validating because you had a sense much younger than I did. 
Yes. That something wasn't quite right, but to have me point something out was turned out to be in liberating. Uh, oh, good. Okay. That's good. You know, and, and honestly, we've never really talked about it in this way before. Right. So it's nice to hear that because I mean, you never came back at me as if I did something inappropriate or out of bounds, no. but, um, but it, it is nice to hear that it was okay. And, and it was actually appreciated because yeah. it made me feel like, oh, okay, I'm not the only one right. who sees this right. because in the world, right. Some people sure. just maybe don't see it because they're not around the kid enough right. or, so it was good to have eyes from someone who was around him so frequently sure. that could tell me like, okay, I'm seeing this too. Right. So we it was actually like, all right. And then I also felt like in that moment, because you were so let's figure this out together. It was like, I'm not alone. So that right. was really relieving in that moment too. Just knowing like not everybody's, uh, is fortunate to have support that either gets it or understands or can, yeah. Yeah, so and I, that you I know is going to accept your kid and love your kid. Oh, for sure. For all their differences. And yeah, yeah I, I appreciate that. So when we, you know, we were talking about it, thinking about it, what, tell us what your first steps were in, I guess, verifying or figuring out. Can you, can you share with everybody what, what you did, what you did next? So the first thing I did was took Jensen to um, his doctor, his pediatrician, who I trust, who obviously, as you know, has seen all of our family right. who we adore. Um, and I said, do you think something's wrong? And he said, well, let me refer you to AZIP, who is the state agency who covers um, birth to three before kiddos can really even get evaluated, right, through the state, because that's usually around two. So I knew that I needed to get him services of some sort, but I didn't know how. I didn't know where to start. I didn't, I just needed help. So Azip came in and they were a great resource for getting me in touch and they'd come in and help and um, they coached me mostly. And that's kind of their model is coaching the parents because we're with them most of the time. Right. And so as soon as he was about 18 months old, um, we got him into speech therapy. Right. And that was when I was like, OK, he's still not talking. He's not even babbling. So obviously, let's get him into speech, get him started. Mm -hmm. And then from there, his speech therapist was like, well, let's just watch. And so it's just a bunch of people watching at this point, right? We're all, <laughs> right. We're all just like, watching. But what are we going to do? What are we, we going to do? do right. And there's a part in me that's a fixer. So I'm like, how do I fix this? Like, what do I do? Sure. Well, and, and, and as any attentive mom would want to make sure you didn't, you know, kick the ball down the road, you want to be proactive with these yeah. kinds of things. So tell me a little bit about what it was like learning, you know, he, he does meet the criteria for autism. Yep. And what was it like for you when you first found that out, there was a name for it. What went on in, in you? What were the thoughts, you know, conversation between you and your husband? Can you share a little bit about like the initial onset of having this told to you? Like, yep, that's what's happening. I want to be very compassionate as I say this, because I know everybody's experience is different, right? My experience was, it was like, this kind of like my world turned upside down and not in a bad way by any stretch of the imagination. Just, I knew that it was going to be different and I knew that I was going to have to conform to different. And the initial was like, you know, you have these expectations as a parent of how your kid's going to be, which again is motivated inside and it's not about us, right? It's about letting them be their unique selves. Right. So initially it was like this expectation versus reality. My reality changed. And I went through the guilt of like, 
did I do this to him? I mean, you know, you get this fine list of all the things you can't do when you're pregnant. You can't eat, you know, shellfish or, you know, you can't do this massive list of things. And I was thinking, did I eat something that contributed to this or was I not in my body enough that he felt that like I I really had this massive guilt. And so I went into fix it mode as I think we all do. And thankfully went to trauma therapy too. So that kind of helped settle, you know, that part of it down. But yeah, there was a, it was definitely a very confusing time in my life of like, you know, I don't want the world to eat my kid alive either. Right. And, and was there any sense of, you know, was there any sense of urgency? Like if we don't get this figured out and he doesn't end up functional or independent enough, like, what does that mean for me as a person? Did any of that cross your mind? Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Because, you know, you have so many people in your ear telling you how you're supposed to do this or do this, or this doesn't work or this doesn't work. And I just had to go with my gut. And I had to, I mean, I spent so many hours researching, like, what am I supposed to do? What is the most like, you know, and I didn't need, and what I got to is I don't need to fix him. Right. Because he's not broken. Right. I just have to accept that it looks different and his different is actually a gift for my expectation to reality, really. And so what I really wanted to delve into was making sure that he had some social skills. Right. Because I know that rejection trauma is real. And I know that it hurts Mm -hmm. and I know that I can't always protect him from that, but I just really wanted to make sure that I, I did jump into that, that I jumped into, you know, making sure I did the right thing. And especially because they emphasize how important it is Mm -hmm. from birth to three, like the earlier you catch it, you know, the efficacy is just, it's just higher. Well, their little brains are developing at such exponential rates when they're so little. And, uh, you know, I have to really tip my hat to you because I don't know what it's like to be a young mother and find this out about my child and know like everything about the trajectory of my daily experience is about to massively change. And, and if I don't get on board with that, the outcome will essentially be my fault, right? Because mm-hmm. we have access to resources and understand something. And then if we choose not to do something about that, boy, then the, then the outcome really is our responsibility. I should say responsibility more than fault because some people, when they find out really overwhelming things, they shut down and it's not necessarily that they're bad people. They just don't know how to move forward right. because they're frozen. And so I want to make sure not to speak in shaming language about people's adaptations. However, I really just... I can't say enough to you about how many conversations, you know, dad and I have had about just girl is getting it. I mean, she doesn't, they don't miss the treatments. He's going to all of the, you know, the ABA, the speech, the OT, and just, you you know, getting him to all of his services has really been a part-time job for you guys. And the fact that you've been so diligent and amazing is, is it's, it's exceptional, honestly. And you. you really should be so proud of yourself. And it, it kind of makes me choke up. <laughs> thinking about that. Um, he's very lucky. Love you. Love you. Uh, he's such a special, special guy. Um, and I love that you said it was a gift because, yeah. you know, without knowing this at this current stage, you wouldn't necessarily know that anything was such a developmental delay. He's a little bit quirky, a little bit eccentric, yeah. but he's just nothing but love. I mean, he's just so, so special. And so, I know he's a gift to our family, but I think this is really important for people to get to hear because, you know, not everybody has the resources or learns early 
um, you know, about what's going on or, or has, you know, knows what to do or can have the wherewithal to make sure that right. services are, you know, uh, participated in for the child. So, I mean, there's, you know, a whole array of ways that people intervene when they find these things out. And so I just can't commend you guys enough and, um, for taking such, such reins, whether the adaptation was over-function and fix, 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 you know, it served you and that he got a lot of support really early and that's awesome. But that leads me to another question that I have for you, which is, you know, we know from the adverse childhood experience study, if we have a family member that has, you know, a developmental delay or a, a mental illness or, or anything that requires like a lot of time and attention because of, of something that's not their fault, it does have a pretty tremendous or significant impact on the other family members. Right. So we've got two other lovely yeah. granddaughters as part of your family system, uh, one who is eight and one who is four, three. She's close to three. Yeah, she's three soon. She yeah, actually she's, she's three. Four. <laughs> yeah, she acts like she's thirty-four. I know. <laughs> but yeah. uh, but anyways, so what's it been like for you? You know, both behaviorally and then internally, as you you know this. I mean, you know, a little fun fact: she's in she's in school to become a a, yes. a psychologist and hopefully join us in the ranks and maybe even be a future assessor to help other parents that run into these issues. So we'll. We'll I would see, love that. We'll yeah. see how your career path takes you. But in the meantime, she's uh, got a lot of education already under her belt about to graduate with her degree in psychology as well. So knowing I have a child with a special need and I have two other children that, that are equally important, what has that been like for you to try to balance it all? How has that felt? What do you do? If I'm being honest, as a mom, you never think you're getting it right. No matter how hard Fair. you try, it's like, you know, I come home and I'm like, I got three kids. I got to give three kisses. I got to give three hugs. Three kids got to eat. And three kids have to have that equality, right? In my home, I believe in that. And so I did go through a period of phase, like we talked about with the fixer part. That's like, you know, I got to figure out what's the best treatment. Who's the best doctor? Who's the best naturopath? Like, you know, I just have to create this community of people I trust that are going to help me because at a time, and I'm not very good at asking for help. I needed help. Mm -hmm. Right. I knew it. I knew this was bigger than me. And I was like, I just need help. And so I think what ended up happening was I overfunctioned so much because I wanted to fill his love tank so full mm -hmm. because and I also am. to offset the guilt, probably like if I was any part of why this happened. Yes. I got to get busy trying to Absolutely fix that. Right. That, that, that makes sense. And if the world eats him alive, he's going to be resilient enough to tolerate it because he comes home to a place where his mom's got his back and loves him and is going to support him in whatever that endeavor is. I remember right? one time you even said that it reminds me of that time when you said, I said, you know, it'll be interesting to see who they all start to bring home. And he's like, he's not bringing anyone home. It's always <laughs> going to be his mama. And that's all that's going to be there. And I just remember laughing, thinking I have five sons. Yeah, that's not what happened. <laughs> so you better open up those Wish arms. Me, I know. But, but, you know, and I, and I hope one day that's a reality for him, right. you know, and. Oh, it I, absolutely will be. He is such a love, such a love. And, you know, and I do want to say that, you know, we're told frequently in society by many people. And I've been told by doctors, you know, he may never speak. And I've had one doctor actually definitively say he'll never speak or, you know, they don't know how to show emotions and you're probably never going to get the affection, but I've learned that's a lie. He yeah. asks for a hug and kiss every night before bed. He plays make-believe. He thinks he's a train every day. He's a choo-choo <laughs> train all day long. Um, 
Or a shark. Yes, or a I'll shark. I'll be glad when that phase is over yeah. with the baby. And now Maddie's onto the baby now shark. Now Maddie's thing. on I'm the like, baby shark. Oh my gosh, shark. always about that shark. Always about that shark. <laughs> but you know, it's like, he really has shown me that like, he's adaptable. Right. In his own way. And as we all are, right? right? Like we all are just trying to adapt to this environment and he's adapting and he's adapting in his own way. And right. so, as you know, he's little Mr. MacGyver. Right. And he can break into anything and right. he can build anything <laughs> and he's- he wants to help his papa build because he's right. loves his papa. Um, but to bring to go back to that question, it was hard because I wanted to make sure that my eldest child right. was getting the attention she needed because there was a little, you know, moment in time where she was struggling with school or sure. other things, of course. And then my youngest child, too, who I had just had because her and or I think Jensen and Madison are only like 18 to two. Yeah, they're so close. They're so close that I was like, I have this new baby that I just I want her to have secure attachment, too. So how do I do this right? right? And there was a period of my time where it just it really did take up so much um, real estate. Right. Trying to get the right providers and get them right. in. But now that it's all kind of said and done, we've been able to implement a little bit more of like. Equality within my house. Yes. Yes. And so it's where I remember when that shifted. I remember when thank God for my own EMDR therapy, right? Because loving those little babies of yours, as much as I love my own kids and knowing like, it's not my lane, it's not my journey. And and you guys have been so wonderful in allowing us to be part of your village. And, and we have tried really a lot to, um, to be honoring of what it is, what is it that we need to be doing? How do you want us to show up? What is it that, you know, because you guys are putting in all the work to figure out all the guidance, but, um, and we want to, we want to be, you know, a united village as opposed to, you know, things are so different at each home and we do spend a lot of time together. And I think it's good for them to know there's uniformity and what they can expect from not only the love, but also what's going to be okay and not okay in our homes and things like that. And that there's that support, which is so important. And we are really lucky to have that. So I'm grateful that, you know, a lot of people don't have that with their daughters-in-law. And I feel like we're so close and so thankful to that. But um, I was going to say, thankfully, to, with my own therapy, I remember it shifted for me when I, because I noticed that there was like a lot zeroed in on him because yes. of what was going on and feeling some of my own anxiety around like, oh, now the oldest is really kind of getting the short end of the stick here. And, you know, it's a burden. Everything's a burden because she's, you know, she's old enough to handle things and we've got to go fix this one. And, and, you know, and the little one comes and she's just miss squawky McSquawk. And you're just like, she's not going to be ignored no. and watching how all, all this was unfolding. And I remember like almost a settling of your nervous system because that shifted and it became so much less dire yes. for you to, and that was so wonderful, not just because of course it'll benefit, you know, all the other kids, but but because it was beautiful to see that evolution in you and that acceptance and settling down in you, which of course they all benefit from, yes. you know, they all benefit when mom's calm, babies can regulate. And, and, um, the fact that you really took so much initiative to, to work on that for yourself is, is, is another majorly commendable thing that you did. So you should be really proud of yourself. Always be in a work in progress and continuing always the journey. Learning. Um, what advice would you give, um, a parent who, who just finds this out, what, if you had something you could share with a parent that you wish someone would have told you, maybe, what would you say? You know, I would give, it's kind of a little bit of a long winded piece of advice, but it would be a trust your gut. Your gut's never going to steer you wrong. Right. You know, inside Mm -hmm. you. And also it doesn't hurt 
to take, you know, the kiddo to the pediatrician and just get a quick checkup. And maybe it's nothing, maybe it's something, but at least it can ease your mind either way. Right. Right. Because the reality is once you do kind of get that paper that says, you know, your kid's ASD level, whatever, because I don't love to sit with the labels and the levels. But Mm -hmm. when they say that there's this moment of like almost it's kind of like a weight off your shoulder almost right. like now you have confirmation and now you know how to proceed. And there's something that you can do about it. Yes. So, so when you think about this journey, there has been just a treasure treasure trove of information that you have, you have learned. I mean, you are a, you are a tremendous resource because of all the research and everything that you've done. But for those of the people that are newer in this journey uh, of finding out about their child, what resources can you offer that could make things a little bit easier so that maybe they don't have to work quite as hard as you did when they figure this out about their own child? So the first thing I actually did was I went and joined a bunch of Facebook groups of autism moms. Okay. And I just started, you know, kind of engulfing myself in that community and finding out what I needed to find out. Like, how do I get an autism evaluation? Where do I go? Like, what are the best places? Um, It's a little disheartening because most places have about a year wait. Wow. And so there really is a need for more um, availability for that. And there's a bunch of kiddos that unless you can pay cash price, Mm -hmm. it's just a long wait. So my, one of my biggest recommendations is call around to all the places, get on every wait list you can get on until the first person calls you back, you know? And sure. um, that was the biggest thing I did. Because once you have that evaluation and you have that piece of paper, the psychologist or whoever evaluates typically, and it can be, I think, a developmental pediatrician as well, that paper will show you where their kind of strengths and not so much strengths are. Basically, you just go off that. So we knew Jensen wasn't speaking. So I was like, okay, I want to find a good speech therapist. Right. So I reached out to a team of people here at infinite mm-hmm. because I knew and trusted them. And I said, does anybody know of any good clinics? Mm-hmm. And they pointed me to CDT kids, which right. I, they've just been amazing. Right. Um, and so really finding good places too, sure. full of providers who are, you know, tried and true and people love yeah. have a heart for this work and have a heart the right for the reason, right reasons. Yeah. Right. And there's not a lot of turnover. Right. Um, you know, with ABA therapy, there is a lot of turnover in RBTs and it is hard work. And I really commend those people Mm -hmm. for, you know, for the job they do. I just really do. And so it's a hard job and it's hard to find an ABA company that's going to take, you know, a new kiddo as well. Cause that's again, a wait list. So it's again, around and it's begging and pleading and um, just finding all the resources and you'll get a support coordinator and, Ask all the questions. Ask right. so many questions. So be an advocate. Be yeah. persistent. Don't give up. Continue learning. Ask for help. Yep. Continue learning. And I would add, have grace for yourself if it takes some time or yep. if you need to trade providers because, you know, you, you ended up somewhere that isn't a be- the best fit for your family or for your needs. Trust um, your instinct on that for trust sure. Trust your instinct. Good. So we'll go ahead and put the resources that we talked about today and more uh, in the comments below. So please feel free to utilize those. I really, really thank you for coming and being here with me today and sharing in such a vulnerable, courageous way about what your journey has been like. Um, You are such a special gift. He is such a special gift to our family. I just thank you for sharing a little bit about your story with with us so that um, others might not have it quite so challenging. So thank you so much. Thanks for having me on. So thanks everybody for tuning in. We hope this episode was helpful and uh, don't forget to lead with love. It'll never steer you wrong.